DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Daily Prayer of Discernment, The Examined Prayer, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. The Daily Prayer of Discernment, the Examine Prayer, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. How exciting for all of us to be able to move on to a, another aspect of Ignatian teaching, and this time with the examine prayer. Thank you so much for bringing that forward. Oh, it's my honor. Talk to us about the examine prayer. I mean, what exactly does that mean? Well, when I first started doing uh, a teaching on uh, discernment of spirits, the rules that we went through the last time, I would always finish it with a section on this examined prayer because the relationship between the teaching on discernment, getting to know consolation and desolation and how to respond to them, um, once one has a sense of that, has learned something about that, the immediate question which comes to mind is, well, now how do I do this? How do I bring it into everyday life? So the what is it piece of going through those rules necessarily leads to the how-to piece, and that's what the examined prayer is. It's an exercise of prayer, which could be 10, 12 minutes, probably not more than 15, in the course of a day in which one stops to look at the day to get a hold of the spiritual experience that's been there, to see where the Lord has been, uh, so that now I can see it more clearly, see how I've responded to it, see where my response has been less than the Lord would have wanted, so that with the Lord, I can plan to respond more fully beginning tomorrow and in the future. And also any uh, ways in the course of the day in which I've given in to the discouraging desolations of the enemy. And now I can see that more clearly as I examine that and also gain light on how to face that with um, greater spiritual fruit for the future. Now, this word examine itself is just the English pronunciation of the Spanish word that St. Ignatius used for this form of prayer, examen, in the Spanish, and we just say examine. And in, in, at present, that tends to be the way in which we speak about the classic exercise of the examination of conscience. So really, what the examine prayer is, is a rendering through the eyes of St. Ignatius of the classic exercise of the examination of conscience in a way that makes it all the more rich, so that it remains what it always was, looking to see where I have failed or been faithful to the Lord in the course of the day, looking on, on the moral level of moral responsibility for my words and actions and choices, how faithful or less than faithful have they been to the teaching of Christ. Conserving all of that, Ignatius adds into that exercise a review also of the spiritual experience more broadly of the day, so that that's where the Sermon of Spirits 
comes into the examine prayer. And that's why I say the examine prayer is the how-to piece, which follows on the learning of the rules themselves. If we've gone through those rules and now have some sense of what spiritual consolation, times of joy in the Lord, or spiritual desolation, times of discouragement in our spiritual life, we have some sense of what those mean and we can begin to recognize them. And St. Ignatius has taught us something of how to respond to those. Um, well, then we want to do it. We don't want that to remain on an audio CD or in a book or the memory of, um, of an interview that I've heard, but we want that to be active in our lives. And so we need some concrete way of bringing that into daily life. We need some way of praying with that spiritual experience. And that's what the examined prayer is. I think, Chris, what might be most helpful, actually, would just be to dive into it and watch a few of the saints do this. Mm, and perfect. then I think from their experiences, I think we can move then to the teaching with a new clarity. And what I'd like to quote is that um, classic moment in the life of St. Therese of the Child Jesus that she speaks about in Chapter 5 of the Story of a Soul, which it was that Christmas evening, which she called the grace of her complete conversion. She was 15 years old at that time. And uh, you know the story of her life. There was nothing easy, uh, really, uh, about anything in her life. Um, her mother's death when she was four, at which point Therese changed. She'd been a, a very happy, lively child until that time, but understandably, with the death of her mother, that uh, changed dramatically. And she became withdrawn and nervous, easily prone to tears, um, highly sensitive. And that worsened when her surrogate mother, her older sister Pauline, when Therese was now nine, left to join the Carmel. And it was a second loss of the, the mother in her life. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the, the, the illness grew serious enough so that uh, her life was even at um, in question at one point. And then she has that experience of the smile of Our Lady and that healing experience. But at this point in her life, uh, Therese has been subject to this kind of suffering for 10 years and in spite of her best efforts, has been unable to change it. And life has been um, something of a, of a cross for her and others around her who love her and the family and have suffered. Her experience at school was difficult. And this particular evening, the first hours, early Christmas morning, she and her sister Celine, who is the one closest to her, and her father have just returned from Midnight Mass. And they enter the house and there in the fireplace in the room, uh, it's still the house is still there, you can visit it. Her sister Celine had placed Therese's slippers with her Christmas gifts in them. And this was a custom that had begun when Therese was still pretty much a baby and was still being continued. And you can sense even in, as we say that, that there's something nice about it, but there's also something a little bit difficult about it because Therese is not growing emotionally in the way that she really needs to at this stage in her life. And as she tells the story, her father saw, on entering the house, saw her shoes with the gifts in them, and uh, unaware that Therese was going to hear this, because Therese was on her way up the stairs to her room to take off her hat and the rest to prepare for the gift gift opening. In fact, if you if you visit uh, her, her home in Lisieux, you can see this is my guess. Uh, she doesn't say this in her story, but seeing the house, this is my guess. The stairway goes up a small number of steps. There's a landing. It doubles back on itself and goes up the final stairs to the upper floor. 
And my guess would be that Therese was on the upper part of those stairs, and so out of sight, but not out of hearing, as her father said to Celine, looking at the shoes with the gifts, well, fortunately, this will be the last time we do this. And Celine, who knew how extremely sensitive Therese was, knew that those words would be like an arrow, piercing her heart, and it would destroy Therese. And she she motioned to Therese not to come down. In other words, stay up there till you've 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 gathered yourself emotionally enough, and you can come down. But this is where the moment of grace comes in, because uh, Therese recounts how um, she doesn't she refuses, and she heads back down. Her heart is pounding with the effort that this is taking, and she comes down with her her normal smile. Her father's brief moment, which was due, Therese says, to tiredness, and I would guess also to some concern about his daughter. Father's momentary irritation passes, and she opens the gifts with her normal smile, and they're gathered in with delight in a family in that moment. And Therese writes about that from her story of the soul. On that night of light began the third period of my life, the most beautiful and the most filled with graces from heaven. The work I had been unable to do in ten years was done by Jesus in one instant, contenting himself with my goodwill, which was never lacking. And Therese says that from that day on, she never cried that kind of tears again in her life over such um, small things of that kind. She called it a miracle. She called it the greatest grace of her, her life, the grace of her complete conversion. And when a saint uses that kind of language, obviously, we're touching something very central to her spiritual journey. Now, if we back up from that description and look at that experience in simple human terms, it's very, very ordinary. All it really is is a somewhat worried and tired remark made by a family member, her father. Uh But Therese, who was so alert to the grace of God in the seemingly small, because there isn't anything really dramatic in Therese's life. She didn't, didn't go to the third world and she wasn't a martyr and the rest of these things didn't build hospitals and all. Everything in human terms in her life is small and ordinary. And yet, she lived with an alertness to God's presence and God's action in such small things that they became tremendous moments of grace for her. She, she grasped, she saw, and she responded to the grace that God was offering her in those small, ordinary, daily events. Now, Chris, what if you and I could live with our spiritual eyes opened enough to catch the grace of God offered to us in the thousand small things with which the day is filled? Wow. When a colleague or a family member makes a somewhat irritated remark or something comes out sideways in a meeting, someone is delayed in a phone call when they should have gotten back to us, or traffic gets heavy and we can't quite get things done as we'd hoped, and the thousand things that can happen in a day, what if we could live with our spiritual eyes opened enough to grasp the grace of God in the moment and respond? That's the examined prayer. The examined prayer is that way of praying which we build into each day when we review spiritual experience so that day by day our spiritual eyes are being opened more and more and more to catch what what is always there. God is always at work in our lives, constantly. We'll take another uh, illustration of this from the spiritual classic, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, which is a wonderful thing to read. In, In a sense, it's not even really a book. Uh, Brother Lawrence didn't write anything beyond just a few letters, really. 
But what it is, it's the record of a, a series of conversations that he had with a priest who was so struck by what this brother said that he wrote it down, later added a few of Brother Lawrence's letters, and this is that slim little classic, The Practice of the Presence of God. Um, don't know too much about the early years in Brother Lawrence's life. When he was 18, one day, it was a winter's day, he was out walking. And as he walked, he his eyes caught a tree, and he stopped and looked at it. And he just noticed how the leaves were stripped during winter. And as he reflected on the tree, as he gazed at it, he found himself thinking of how when spring would return, the leaves would again, the, the, the blossoms, the buds, the fruit of the tree, all of it would come back again. And as he was thinking about this, I'll quote his own words now. He says, he received an insight into the providence and power of God, which was never erased from his soul. This insight completely detached him from the world and gave him a love for God so great that it had not increased at all in the 40-odd years that, that had passed since he had received this grace. He was probably about 60 when he had this conversation that the priest wrote down. Now, again, if we look at that experience, well, to complete the story, uh, after that he went into the military for a while, he was wounded, um, briefly tried the life of a hermitage together with another, it didn't work out, briefly was in the service of a wealthy man, and when he was 26, entered Carmel, and spent the rest of his life as a Carmelite brother. He was a cook for many years, and then when uh, his health declined, they put him to... Um, making and repairing the sandals of about 100 Carmelites in that community, which probably kept him busy. Uh, he never had much education, but gradually people be began finding that they he was very helpful to them in his conversation, and gr gradually great numbers of people of all stations in life sought him out. Now, again, if we go back to that moment when he was 18 years old, that, humanly speaking, was utterly simple. It was just looking at a tree in winter. How many times do things of that nature happen in the day for us? Uh -huh. And yet, there was a power of grace awaiting him in that moment to which his heart was open. And because his heart was open, his life was changed. And let's ask that same question again. What if we could live with our spiritual eyes opened enough to catch at least glimpses but increasingly, as days and years go by in our lives, to catch the action of God and the gift that God is offer, offering in these moments. So much could change in our spiritual life. You, I think we can already see, Chris, why for St. Ignatius, this exercise of the examine prayer was the one exercise of prayer that he could not imagine a day without. It might mm. be some days we couldn't have time although, please God, we do in generally, but there could be a day when it's difficult to have time for meditation on God's Word. However, I do that with Scripture, the Liturgy of the Hours, the Rosary. But for Ignatius, he could not imagine a day in which at some point we did not stop to look at how the Lord has been active in our day, how much of it we've seen, how we've responded, and to plan with the Lord how we would respond another time. The examine prayer really if we're living it, it, is the prayer that it's the cutting edge of our spiritual growth. 
Uh, you can't stand still in the spiritual life if you're praying the examined prayer. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to, to be said about it, and we will say that um, in future conversations. But what I hope we can we can um, capture right now is the fundamental intuition that makes this prayer so valuable. This prayer daily allows us to be in touch with where God is and where God is leading day by day. You know how St. Paul says, and we can, um, from our hearts, say with St. Paul, Jesus is Lord. Uh But this prayer takes that to a very concrete level of each day, so that we see concretely in the hours of the morning, at lunchtime, in the work of the afternoon, at supper, the times of relaxation and rest and exercise, we see concretely where the Lord is leading me in these various moments of my day. Well, one final um, illustration of this, if I may. Sure. And this would be from the spiritual uh, memorial, as it's called, a kind of a spiritual diary of Blessed Pierre Favre, who was one of St. Ignatius' first companions. He was his roommate when St. Ignatius was studying at the University of Paris. Blessed Pierre Favre is one of these uh, enormously attractive spiritual figures. He was somewhat shy, uh, tended before he met St. Ignatius, who changed his life really on this level, tended to be somewhat scrupulous and easily discouraged, and was forever grateful for St. Ignatius that through St. Ignatius' teaching on discernment of spirits, um, he was able to overcome those kinds of struggles in his life. Now, at this point, St. Ignatius has sent him to Spain, and he is assigned to as a chaplain to the royal court. And on this particular day, he arrives at the palace and approaches the the royal chapel, intending to go in and listen to a sermon that's about to be preached in that chapel. When he approaches the doorway to the chapel, however, the porter at the door doesn't recognize him, and uh, Blessed Pierre Favre, like all of Ignatius' companions, was dressed uh, very poorly, very simply and very poorly. So certainly was not dressed in the way that the porter would have expected someone who was in the suite of the king. And because of that, the, the porter simply doing his uh, task as he saw it refused to allow him to enter. And so Blessed Pierre des- describes how he probably, not be- because there's not much else he can do, he stops and stands for a few minutes outside the door of the chapel. And he begins to think. And what has just happened uh, brings to mind how often he himself has allowed various thoughts, harmful thoughts, or things the Lord would not have wanted to enter his heart and has not allowed Jesus to enter with his words um, and his teaching and and his inspirations as the Lord would have wanted. And then this amplifies. Uh, He begins, he finds himself reflecting on how Jesus himself so often would enter human hearts or marriages or families or nations or cultures and has not been allowed to enter. And this then expands to the reflection becomes a prayer. He finds himself praying that at the end of this life that it be granted, I'll quote his words, he says, I pray that it be granted the porter and me not to stand and wait too long before the gates of paradise under going purification, so that when life was ended, he the experience he's just, the small experience he's just gone through becomes for him a prayer now that he and the porter together not be kept waiting when the day comes 
that their hearts will long to enter eternal life when this life is done. And then I'll just quote one more sentence from his, his writing on this, and this is a thing of real beauty. And so it happened that I came to love the porter all the more, he being the mm-hmm. cause of my devotion. You can already see where this is going. Um, here was a person who was to have met me at 3 o'clock and didn't show. Here was a person who was to give me his or her part of the task we're working on and doesn't have it ready in time. And, and so on. The many small things that, in one sense, viewed humanly can go wrong in the course of a day and can be a source of irritation and frustration and burden in the course of the day. What if we had eyes spiritually opened, like Blessed Pierre, uh-huh. to see even in such things how the Lord is active and what the Lord may be offering us through those experiences? Well, let's pull back now from those experiences of St. Therese, uh, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, and Blessed Pierre Favre, and let's look at the theological teaching which underlies those experiences and any similar experiences in our lives. And I'll take this too from a spiritual classic from Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jesuit Father Jean-Pierre de Cassade. This too is a a wonderful thing to read. (laughs) It um, amply repays. Small little classic. These were talks actually that he gave that were uh, written down by his hearers and later compiled into the small book, which is much loved. Anyone who is going through any struggles or sufferings or burdens of any kind is likely to find this book um, of great uh, comfort. What uh, Father de Cassade is discussing at this point is that God, he says, is active always, everywhere, constantly in our lives, but his activity is visible only to the eyes of faith. That is, in every experience, our senses see, some, our, our, our eyes, our physical eyes can see something, our ears can hear something, What we can see and hear and receive through our senses is the action of the human creature, the action of the creature, he says. But another set of eyes, the eyes of faith, that can see God acting in all human experience. And now let me read just a bit of what he says. Mm -hmm. Faith, he says, sees that Jesus Christ lives in everything and works through all history to the end of time. That every fraction of a second... Every atom of matter contains a fragment of his hidden life and his secret activity. And that's where the examined prayer is rooted theologically. That's why it becomes so important. Because if that's true, that Jesus Christ is active in our lives in every fraction of a second from the moment I've awakened today, every day of my life, tomorrow that lies ahead, and in every atom of matter, he says, in every person I'll meet, in in every place I'll be, in everything I'll I'll use for my work, in everything that will surround me in the course of the day. If Jesus Christ is living and active in all of that, then I want in my spiritual life to be alive to that. I want to catch that action. I want to know what it is so that I can respond in the way that the Lord is inviting me to respond. So that as St. Paul says, Jesus Christ can be Lord in my life in a very concrete way. The actions of created beings are veils, which is really true, which hide the profound mysteries of the workings of God. And he speaks of the resurrection as an example. You think of all those resurrection apparitions when Jesus was there, but the people to whom he was appearing didn't know it. They didn't see it. There was a veil 
until eventually their eyes were opened. After the resurrection, Jesus Christ took the disciples unawares by his appearances, showing himself to them as if disguised. For example, the disciples on the way to Emmaus, who think it's a stranger walking with them, or Mary Magdalene, who thinks he's the gardener, showing himself to them as if disguised, and then appearing when he had revealed himself. And it is this same Jesus, he says, ever living and ever active, who still surprises us if our faith is not strong and clear-sighted. And that's the examined prayer, a faith that is strong and clear-sighted, that sees, that grasps, that understands where God is and where God is leading. Father Gallagher, everything you're sharing with us, it sounds so much like the, the nurturing of relationship, the, that relationship with Jesus himself. Yeah, everything about the examined prayer is relationship because the examined prayer, as the title says, is prayer. And prayer most deeply is a relationship. Most deeply prayer is two persons, the human and the, the divine, in communication, in communion, uh, together, sharing. So that the examined prayer is absolutely rooted in our relationship with God. And we'll see that in, in some detail when we actually go through the, the concrete steps of the examine. It also seems as though it's the every man's doorway into contemplation. You know, so often we think of those contemplatives as people who go off into a mountain and, and be able to have those type of reflective moments. But from what you're describing, the examine prayer is really that doorway to contemplation for all of us. You bring to mind, as you say that, um, Chris, the classic phrased, phrase that one of his first companions used of St. Ignatius, that he was a contemplative in action. There are contemplatives in monasteries, in cloisters, which is a beautiful vocation. But Ignatius was a contemplative in action, a contemplative who found God walking the streets of a busy city, who found God sharing a meal with others, who found God in a chance encounter with another. It, you're absolutely right, Chris. This, this really is about becoming a contemplative in the midst of a very active life. Well, Father Gallagher, I look forward to the continuing journey on this a road to the examine prayer. Uh, any final thoughts? I think the best way to learn the examine prayer is to actually pray it. So mm -hmm. I look forward to um, very soon in our conversations, actually as of our next conversation, beginning to speak concretely about how to do that. Can't wait. Thank you, Father Timothy Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to The Daily Prayer of Discernment, The Examine Prayer, with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our mission. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Daily Prayer of Discernment, The Examine Prayer with Father Timothy Gallagher.